Broadcasting from Charlotte, North Carolina, on Sports Byline USA, uniting sports fans everywhere. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. People want the authenticity, right? They want to know a little bit more. They don't want just the cliches. For the next hour, we will unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Uh, I'm thankful that God has delivered me and he's given me a mouthpiece to be able to, a platform as well to be able to share with different people. Bringing you high energy and thought-provoking sports talk with a purpose. When you're around somebody that has that joy and you can feel it and it's contagious. Um, every day I ask, you know, what does God have in store for me and how does he want to utilize me in this position that I hold. Now, from his mic to your ears, this is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to Unpacking It, where we unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I'm Bryce Johnson, pumped to be with you today on Sports Byline USA and Sirius XM Channel 211, Dan Patrick Radio. Thanks to all of our listeners across the country, those that are streaming online on sportsbyline.com, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio app, and those that will end up listening to the podcast later. We're grateful for all of you today. You can get in touch with me, Bryce at unpackingit.com. Today on the show, our guest is Ernie Johnson, the award-winning broadcaster from TNT and, and CBS. He does the NBA, college basketball. He's the best host in the business, and, and so always love having him on the show, and, and we'll have a fun conversation talking basketball and, and life and faith, and, and we always enjoy going a little bit deeper with our guests, and, and especially Ernie Johnson, who's, who's just a, an insightful, thoughtful uh, awesome guy. So, so really looking forward to that. Also, at the end of the show, we'll do our segment, Unpack This, a, a topic uh, about Philip Rivers and, and the fact that he's missing a Super Bowl on his resume and, and how that relates to our own lives. But coming up next, we'll do our segment, I'm Convinced, and I'll share my thoughts on some of the new head coaches that have been hired in the NFL and, and some of my concerns about the direction that a lot of these franchises are going. I've got some thoughts on Kyler Murray and, and, and money as well. Uh, so it's all coming up right here on Unpacking It on Sports Byline USA. More sports, faith, and life coming up on Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm Bryce Johnson. We're a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life. You can check out our website, unpackingit.com, and be sure to subscribe to our email devotional and our podcast, and you can find out more information on unpackingit.com. Well, it's that time of the show where we do a segment called I'm Convinced, where I take a look back at the week and let you know what I'm convinced of, and always appreciate your thoughts. You can send me an email, Bryce at unpackingit.com, and let me know what you're convinced of. So, this week was filled with teams hiring new coaches in the NFL. And as I look across the league and consider many of the new hires, 
I'm convinced NFL teams are forgetting that football teams consist of way more than one player. I know quarterbacks are critical, and it sure does help when a QB and a head coach are on the same page. But I'm convinced the relationships between quarterbacks and their offensive coordinator and QB coach are more important than the head coach and quarterback. I'm convinced teams emphasized hiring head coaches who can get the most out of their quarterbacks versus hiring great leaders of men that can get the most out of the team. That, that They just need to hire great coaches, not just coaches that are good with the quarterback. So I'm convinced too many of these hires haven't had enough head coaching experience or they haven't been around the league long enough. Sure, there are a couple of coaches like Mike Tomlin and John Gruden who won when they were young and early on in their career. But I'm convinced I'd want to hand the keys to my franchise to a more proven and prepared head coach. We recently saw the Cardinals hire Cliff Kingsbury because he's quote-unquote good with quarterbacks but had a losing record as a college head coach. Again, it's great to have your quarterback put up big numbers but if your head coach isn't skilled to oversee other aspects of the team and motivate other players besides the guy under center do you really think a franchise is going to have success sure most head coaches lean toward being an expert on one side of the ball and so franchises are just putting an emphasis on the offense but the best head coaches understand how to lead a locker room and maximize the talents of the whole team. So I'm convinced being a coach that players respond to and play hard for is more valuable than being a young offensive guru. But you can't tell NFL owners that because they've gone the complete other direction and they have gone all in on on these, these young coordinators that have only shown glimpses of being able to you know, connect with a quarterback or or even call uh, offensive plays as a coordinator. And so, I mean, I just look at all these different hires and are any of them slam dunks? Do, do any of them, like just as a fan of, of the game, as you're listening right now, and you look across and you go, okay, Matt LaFleur in Green Bay, Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona. Do, do these jump off the, you know, the page to you and say, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, there, every year in the NFL, coach, coaches get hired, and then they quickly either get fired after one year, like we saw last year with, with Steve Wilkes, or a, a couple years later, and, and they're done. And, and we've seen this year after year with a lot of different teams. You know, I think of, uh, of Jacksonville and, and Arizona and Cleveland and the Jets and the Bills. They, they run through coaches, and, and they're trying to – you know, get the hot name or, or, or get some, you know, guy that, that right now is the, the offensive guru. But I think great organizations understand how to develop coaches within and, and recognize that, that maybe a special teams coordinator like a, like a John Harbaugh. Remember, that's what, what his background was. But they recognized that he was a, a leader of men and a great, you know, just motivator regardless of what he was a, a coordinator of. And now John Harbaugh's had a great career with the Baltimore Ravens, 10-plus years 
with the franchise and has won a Super Bowl. I think that's more of the model. And so I, I just find it interesting that so many of these teams are, are just trying to make their quarterback happy or, or just trying to make sure that their quarterback plays well. And even in a quarterback-driven league, I just think there, there are more important elements to what goes on in a locker room and, 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 and making you know, or getting the most out of all the players across the board. A, a head coach has to understand his kicker. It not just he can't just hang out with his quarterback on the sideline. I, I just don't understand this this concept. If you're great with quarterbacks, be a quarterbacks coach, uh, be an offensive coordinator. I just I'm I'm just disappointed because I, I thought like the Cleveland Browns should have gone after a a veteran proven head coach, somebody like Mike McCarthy or or even Bruce Arians. I thought that would have been a better fit for them. And, and so I guess my overall point is I, I just. I wish that the NFL focused more on the the leadership side of coaching than they did the the X's and O's or or even the the single dynamic of coach and quarterback. And, and they they saw the bigger picture because guys like Belichick, guys like Saban, Dabo Sweeney, Coach K, John Wooden, these are great coaches and leaders of men. And that's that's who you want as your as your head coach, yeah, that, like Bel, Bill Belichick. What what's his? Is he a guru of anything? No, he's a guru of everything. He understands how to run a franchise and and how to lead a team. That those are the kind of head coaches you got to go after. And and maybe I'm maybe I'm assuming that co- that these franchises aren't. But from the outside looking in, it just looks so short sighted to to just get the hot QBs coach and the hot offensive coordinator. And in some cases, they're just going after good-looking guys, which is just a funny thing that they're trying to have this, you know, face of their franchise as a as a young Cliff Kingsbury. It's just fascinating, and that that's even part of the conversation. That that's been that that's been a a point of discussion this week <laughs> as people are breaking this down. It's crazy. So anyway, that's what I'm convinced of. All right, the the number two thing I'm convinced of this week, I'm convinced. Fans and the media are way too opinionated about another man's money. As I listen to people discuss Kyler Murray's future and whether or not he should pursue baseball or football, I'm convinced we need to catch ourselves when we downplay how much millions of dollars actually is. I'm guilty of it too, but but this is what we say. Eh, what's the difference between four million and ten million? I mean, what can you do with an extra million? Seriously, I mean, how ridiculous are we to to give an opinion that someone should earn less money by taking a certain job or pursuing a different sport? And so with Kyler Murray, it's you know you're going to get more guaranteed money in baseball, and you, you got a four million dollar signing bonus that you'd have to pay back if you if you end up going to the the NFL instead of going to play with the Oakland A's. And, and so we're we're sitting here throwing millions of dollars around in our in our discussions, and and I know that it's part of you know just how we talk sports, and 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 I'm one that loves following the salary cap status in the NBA, and so I, I know the salaries of of a lot of players. But, but I'm convinced we forget that we're talking about real money. It's not $10 million of Monopoly money. Now, now most of us can't comprehend spending a million dollars or, 
or even knowing just how much that actually is or, or having the choice between a, a team offering five million or eight million. And we may downplay that as, well, eight and five, not much difference. We're talking about eight million and five million. And so it, it's easy for us to just say, oh, yeah, that, that coach or that player should pass up the three million and, and go with this team instead. <laughs> but my point is, I'm convinced we shouldn't even know how much players and coaches make. But since we do, the next time we're talking about someone's salary, let's think about how we'd feel if a bunch of people were telling us how to spend our money or, or telling us to make less and, and telling us the decision to make. Now, I know it's a part of TV and radio and sports and all that kind of thing, but when you take a step back and really think about it, each of us, we just need to worry about being a better steward of, of the money that, that God has given us and, and stop worrying so much about an athlete's salary and, and what you know team is going to pay him more or less and, and, and us downplaying, oh, yeah, a million dollars, no big deal. Go take less and come play for, for my favorite team. It's just I just I just get a kick out of it, and I'm guilty as anybody. But but I I was listening, I was watching a show this week, and listening to the guys talk about it, and it just struck me that that we're outrageous when it comes to talking about other people's salaries. <laughs> so that's what I'm convinced of, and and so I I got just a couple final thoughts uh, before we need to take another break. But but as far as the big matchups, Patriots and Chargers and Eagles and Saints. I'm convinced I can't pick against the Patriots. I, I did it way too many times in the past, and I've learned from my mistakes because all they do is win. But I'm convinced if they, if they are going to lose, the, the Chargers have what it takes to, to knock them off. That, that's for sure. And then on the other end, I, I, I'm convinced I'm not picking against the Eagles uh, until Nick Foles shows me otherwise. I just expect him to keep winning. So that's what I'm convinced of. Coming up next, we'll be joined by Ernie Johnson on Unpacking It. More sports, faith, and life coming up on Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. And we're back on Unpacking It. I'm Bryce Johnson. Check out our website, unpackingit.com. You can always email me, bryce at unpackingit.com. Let me know what you're convinced of this week, and, and you can respond to some of the topics that, that we discussed last segment and, and give me your thoughts, Bryce at unpackingit.com. Also, be sure to find us on Facebook, Unpacking It, and uh, we share some content on there throughout the week as well. I'm fired up about the NFL playoffs and looking forward to the matchup between the Chargers and the Patriots. And during our last segment on the show, uh, I've got some thoughts specifically on Philip Rivers and how his story relates to our lives. And, and so definitely stick around for that. But the NBA is getting going as well. And so I'm thrilled to welcome on our guest today. And joining us now on Unpacking It is the Emmy, award-winning host of TNT's Inside the NBA. You can also see him hosting the coverage of the NCAA tournament for Turner and CBS. More importantly, he's a follower of Jesus, a husband, and a father of six children. He's the author of the book called Unscripted, The Unpredictable Moments That Make Life Extraordinary. It shares stories about his career, battling cancer, adoption, and raising a special needs child. 
I am thrilled to welcome Ernie Johnson, my favorite guest, back on the show. Ernie, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? Bryce, I'm doing great, man. I hope you are, too. Thanks a lot for having me. Well, we're, we're glad to have you back, and, and I'm, I'm glad to hear you're doing well. But, but specifically, I, I know that your, your health caused you to, to miss doing play-by-play during the baseball playoffs because of a blood clot. So, so how are you feeling now? Well, I, I feel the same now as I did then, which is I feel good. It's just a, a question of uh, you know how the blood clots uh, develop there, and so we're we're really still in the in um, that phase of it, trying to figure out why it happened in the first place. And so uh, I feel great, and I can you know at, at first I was told I couldn't fly, so that's uh, what knocked me out of baseball. Uh, postseason, but uh, I have flown since. I'm just very smart about it and getting up and moving around and still on blood thinners, and we're just uh, trying to get to the bottom of it. But I feel great. Man, so it's not necessarily preventing you from doing anything at the moment? Uh, no, it's not. In fact, the uh, first flight I took was uh, the day of uh, the day before the match between Tiger and Phil. I flew out to Vegas uh, to do that. And, oh, yeah. uh yeah so yeah so I don't have any restrictions uh, travel wise now I just uh, uh we're just trying to get to the bottom of uh why the blood clots came about Man okay gotcha well we're glad that you're uh, at least feeling feeling well and and well you mentioned the oh, yeah. the the match what was your uh, takeaway from from that big TV event Well you know I wished that uh, that both guys had played a little better yeah. uh obviously because the golf course was set up for it to be a birdie fest, and, uh, and it was, you know, those were pretty rare on that day. A beautiful golf course, Shadow Creek, just spectacular, and and it was it was fun to be part of because it was different, you know, you where you have both players and both caddies, Mike, and and just from a just from a technical standpoint, it was one of the most involved things I've ever been in hmm. uh, because. Because I had, I had two announcers with me, and then there were three more on another set, and you got, then you got two caddies and two players all mic'd, and you got a producer talking to you while this is all going on. You're trying to, wow. everybody's trying to trying to catch what's uh, what's being said, and at the same time, you know, if somebody said something really cool, if Tiger and Phil had an exchange, and this happened a few times, where Tiger and Phil had a decent exchange, and we just played it back. You know, just a you know, a few seconds after it had happened, because maybe Charles Barkley was making a point at that <laughs> point, or or Darren Clark, or or Peter Jacobson, who were working with me. So uh, yeah, it was it was really a it was a fun event to to be at, and I think uh, you know when Tiger chipped in at the 17th, it was like oh here we go again, and then to <laughs> to finish to finish it with extra holes under the lights uh, just added to it. It was a fun it was a fun day to. To be out there. We're talking with Ernie Johnson right now on Unpacking It and, and saw that, that you're going to be inducted into the Atlanta Sports Hall of Fame in February. So so how excited are you about that? And, and what did you think about the, the news when you heard about it? You know, what's crazy, Bryce, this is this is insane that the, the month of February for me, and I don't, I don't, I don't know how all this happens, you see, um, because last year, the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame called me and said they wanted to induct me into the um, the state of Georgia Sports Hall of Fame, cool. and I was 
I said, well, I can't do that because I can't be there because I'm going to be doing all-star weekend for the NBA. And they said, well, we really like our guys to be here uh, for the induction ceremony. So we'll push you to 2019. So what's going to happen is that in early February, I'm going into the Atlanta sports hall of fame. And then in late February, I'm going to the state of Georgia sports hall of fame. And so, uh, it's it's uh, so the month is bookended that way. And what's what's really special to me is that my dad is in both of those two. Wow! And so to be to be inducted um, into the into those halls and uh, and to be able to um, to know that my dad and I are both in there, it's uh, it's beyond special. It really is. Oh, that that's really cool. Well, well, congratulations and and well deserved. And uh, thank you. That that's neat to to be a part of that. Well, it's been the, the first couple of months of the NBA season, and, and you're in the, the middle of it all. Is there a, a theme or, or a big takeaway from, from what you've seen so far early in the year? Well, I mean, I think everybody, you know, looks at Golden State when, you know, when the season starts, everybody says, well, you know, are we just going to give them another title or is there going to be somebody who stands in their way? And, and I think, I think really there's, there's something, there's a part of the American sports public that wants to see them um, vulnerable, that wants to see them, uh, you know, not be given a, a pass into another championship. And so they kind of, uh, when something happens, they latch onto it and say, oh, see, look at Draymond Green and Kevin Durant aren't getting along. See, <laughs> see it's, it's about to crumble. Uh, it, it, it's all, it's all going to collapse. Um and then they kind of remedy that. And then it's, oh, look, they lost by 20. They're going to, you know. And so I think there's that feeling, you know, almost rooting by some people that, you know, against Golden State repeating. Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe there is a little more vulnerability. But again, this is a team that's going to have DeMarcus Cousins. Oof. You know, this is like a team that's just going to make this huge trade and bring this guy in uh, in mid-season. And, and this is a team that's never really, I mean, their weakness has been in the middle, and now you're going to bring DeMarcus Cousins in. Um, so I'd I, I like to see how that is all going to play out and how they incorporate him and how that whole mix of all these high-profile all-stars, how that, um, how that meshes. Uh, otherwise, I mean, it's been... Um, you know, I, I, you know, Denver's been a been a surprise. I think you know it's a team that has doesn't have many superstars. It has a guy named you know Nikola Jokic who can who can do everything. And uh, for oh, a yeah. big man, he passes the ball exceptionally well and he scores and rebounds. Uh, you know, so so this guy can give you triple doubles. But otherwise, it's you know it's not a, a team of luminaries. Mm-hmm. Jamal Murray's got a lot of potential. Gary Harris is good. So. I mean, there are some teams out there, Denver, to me, Denver, Oklahoma City, um, Houston, don't give up on Houston. Uh, they found, they're starting to find their way. Who can, who can challenge Golden State? Um, but it's still the Warriors, to me, who have the team. And in the East, Toronto with Kawhi Leonard, it's been, you know, seeing Kawhi Leonard return to being Kawhi Leonard has been oh, yeah. something to see. And so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think Toronto's really good. Um, I don't know if they can, again, I don't know if anybody beats Golden State four times. I think that's ultimately the question you have to ask. Is is, is any team out there able to beat them four times? And 
And uh, and again, you think about last year, and Houston came so close. And if Chris Paul doesn't hurt a hamstring, oh, yeah. maybe Houston knocks them off in the Western Conference final. So, you know, it just adds to the intrigue. And I, you know, I'm looking forward to her getting getting close to that halfway well, well yeah, halfway point of the season. And uh, and uh, some of the same questions we had on opening day are still hanging over us. Right now, we've got to take a quick break, but we've got plenty more with Ernie Johnson, the award-winning broadcaster. He's the best in the business. And so when we come back, our conversation will continue as we discuss faith and books and his book that he wrote. And and so it's always great to catch up with Ernie Johnson, and we're just getting going. Check out our website, unpackingit.com. Thanks for joining us right here on Sports Byline USA and Sirius XM Channel 211. You're listening to Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson on Sports Byline USA, America's Sports Talk Network. Hey, hey, it's Bryce Johnson, and really appreciate you listening to the Unpacking It radio show each week. But I want to invite you to check out our website, unpackingit.com, so that you can sign up to receive Unpacking It each day in your email. That's right. We send out an encouraging, challenging, inspiring word uh, through email. It's it's in written form. It's a, a devotional that takes a current sports story, relates it to the Bible. We call it Unpack This, and you can subscribe for free by going to unpackingit.com. It's designed to help you grow in your faith and and help you understand the Bible better, all with a little sports and some of the cool stories going on in the world of sports. And so we encourage you to check it out. It's for you, and it's about two minutes each weekday in your inbox. Check it out, unpackingit.com, and subscribe to Unpack This. And while you're at it, be sure to subscribe to our podcast as well. We're unpacking sports, faith, and life with Ernie Johnson. I'm Bryce Johnson. No relation, but he's my favorite guest and always love having him on the show. And so if you missed any part of the the last segment, be sure to check out our podcast. Just go to unpackingit.com. And so for for you personally, it's the start of a a new year. Do do you have a focus for 2019 personally and, and spiritually that that you could share and, and maybe that, that might even be an encouragement to, to people listening today? Um, you know, I just, I, I never really, I'm, I'm the worst price at, at like making New Year's resol- resolutions. So I, I really don't make those. I, I, yeah. I, there are times where I say, you know what, what I want to try to do is be a better communicator uh, with people who are getting in touch with me and not letting, you know, emails and texts back up. You know, and, and just say, you know, make the time to answer this now. Don't act like you're so busy that you can't get to it. And and so I think that's an area that I really have to improve in. And so I'm I'm making strides. Um, but aside from that, it's just you know I um, I want my job. <clears throat> my job has provided me so many cool moments. And I mean, you know, we're talking 30 years of sitting in that chair now oh, man. Uh, as the host of, of Inside the NBA. And some of the things that have happened um, recently, I mean, having the having the, the chance to meet Tyler Trent mm. um, um, not long ago, you know, and he's, his story, the 
the 20-year-old Purdue student who has cancer, and he was um, he was kind of adopted by the Purdue football team and made a co-captain, and uh, you know has this terminal disease, and he's honored by ESPN at the College Football Awards, and that day I had a chance to go down. Uh, to his hotel room and meet him mm. and his dad and mom and everybody. And this guy's faith was so rock solid. Mm. Uh, it was just, uh, it was just amazing. And he, he handed me one of his brand, his, his yellow bands that you know, said Tyler strong and has a, has a scripture verse, first Thessalonians five, 16 through 18. And, you know, rejoice always. Um, and uh, pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. And to have that uh, as, as kind of his bedrock during this time was just so encouraging. Um, and later that night after the award ceremony, he and his family came over to the studio, had a chance to meet Charles and Kenny and Shaq, and we did a segment with him. And... Um, and then just on New Year's Day, uh, he passed, mm. you know, and at the age of 20. But he's, um, you know, that's what I, that's what I really want. I wish every, I wish every show, I wish every time I went to the studio, there could be that kind of a meeting or that kind of a moment uh, that, that, um, that happens. And so, mm. I think I've really been on the on the lookout for more of, you know, in 2019 of just moments where we can all kind of try to make a difference. Uh, and, and I'm not trying to get real deep and real philosophical here, That's Bryce. Right. But, That's all right. Uh, but we have, you know, I have, and we have, people in the media have this platform. So how are you going to use a platform is my question. Hmm. Are you going to use, the, are you going to use the platform as a pedestal? to say, Hey, everybody, look at me, look at the job I have. Aren't I cool? You know, <laughs> look, you know, aren't I doing a great job? Or are you going to use that platform as a vantage point to be able to look out and see who you can help use your platform as a vantage point to see where you can make a difference, where you can help somebody else. Uh, don't use it as a, as a pedestal to try to draw attention to yourself. So I'm glad you asked the question because it was like, I've been rolling that around in my mind and, and you kind of forced me to, articulate it there so that's kind of that's cool. kind of where i'm at oh that's excellent very, very neat to hear and and I'm, I'm right there with you or ernie johnson our guest right now on unpacking it i, I saw you you tweet uh or, or somebody even tweeted you you responded and the quotes that came up that were actually used in your book hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life and so dallas willard and and then the, yeah. then the book Soul Keeping by J- John Ortberg and I'm actually reading that book Soul Keeping right now so it's on my my mind and heart and and so I, I just share those two quotes and 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 want to get your perspective on those two things and and how they even relate to what you were just talking about. Oh no, I mean that's and I'm glad you're reading that book because uh, because John Ortberg has been um, a favorite of mine. Uh, I, I the first time I met him was like back in 1990. Eight, somewhere around there. Yeah. And I was actually at a leadership conference uh, up at Willow Creek uh, Church outside Chicago. Mm-hmm. And had a, he, was, he was on the staff there with Bill Hybels, and I had a chance to meet him. But his, his style uh, from the pulpit was just so 
so I, I mean, it was hard for me to describe. It was just like, it was just like this friend talking to you, you know, had this wonderful communication style. And then, you know, then I started, I uh, saw that he had written a couple of books. So I've, I've read all the stuff he's written cool. and soul keeping was the best of the bunch. And, and the way he describes his relationship with Dallas Willard, the great theologian and the, and the way he, he says you know, the way he talks about some of their conversations uh, is just fascinating. And so something like that really jumped out at me. The, uh, you know, her, hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life and you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. You know, when, when they use the term ruthlessly, it's, you know, that's not like you should try to eliminate hurry from your life. Ruthless means, man, you've got to go after it and cut it out. And so that's what I've tried to do because if you're, Man, if you're constantly in a hurry, mm. then there is there is no way you're going to be able to to see the need around you because everything's going to be tied into oh I got to get here I got to get there and so that's I think that's a huge thing for all of us I mean and uh, I plead guilty to it for the longest time just rushing through life and not being able to notice the things around you and so um, yeah if you can eliminate if you can eliminate hurry. Um, I mean, that's, that allows you, it allows you the, the ability to have the time to do that. That's right. And so, so practically for, for you, I mean, you're, you're a busy guy, of course, you, you've got, got all these different platforms and, and shows and, and sports to follow and keep up with and, and the people that you're able to connect with. And, and so you're as busy as anybody out there, everybody, everybody's got opportunities to be busy. So, so the difference between embracing the opportunities but not hurrying through to the next thing and not embracing the moment. How, how do you practically live that out or continue to learn to do that? Well, I see what I, what I think everybody, what you need to know and what, and what I think what you need to realize is it's not like, it's not like every effort you make is going to take six hours to do. Sometimes all a coworker wants from you is five minutes or 30 seconds to say, how you doing? And, and to be able to unload on you or in just, you know, tell, tell somebody may want to tell you something that is heavy on their hearts, but you had your face in your, in your iPhone as you walked down the hall and walked right by him. And it was like, no, I'm too busy. I got to, you know, I got to see if anybody's responding to my tweets. No, I got to, I got to answer this email. And I think, I think we have way too much of that of of looking down and not looking up and looking around and just uh, we, we've kind of lost that interpersonal communication and and I think we I think we have to be very intentional about you know if you ask somebody how you doing be intentional about it I want to know how you're doing uh, you know how can I help you what's going on in your life uh, and and try to be that person. I mean, you never know how, you know, because I've heard from people months later who, who have said something like, man, I'm so glad we had that five minutes after lunch the other day, that, that time, you know, when I was able to tell you about what was going on. And you don't realize that. You don't realize what a difference we can all be mm. if we are intentional about it and and put other people first. Um you just got to, we just got to do it. And I think we're at a, you know, shoot, we're at a time you know, where I don't know. It's almost, it's almost celebrated to be self-centered, mm. you know, and to be concerned about yourself and to, 
and to see how many followers you have and to, you know, that kind of thing. I think you, you really need to step back and say, you know, this is not about me. Wake up in the morning and say, what can I do for you? Mm. And, you know, I, 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 I told you know, the graduating class at the University of Georgia, uh, I made the commencement speech there a couple of years ago, which was one of the highlights of my life. But yeah. I said, look, your 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 what you've got to do is is have the same like slogan as as the Ritz Carlton did. You know, you know their their slogan was "Ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen." That's hmm. what we got to do. You know, let's let's look look for ways that we can serve when we get up in the morning and not say, "Boy, how's somebody going to serve me?" It's just about time, isn't it? <laughs> now let's let's have our let's have our eyes and our ears and our hearts open for for uh, how we can help. Very cool. No, that that's awesome. And then of, of course I, I've got to ask you about your book, and it's been a couple of years now since it's it's been out. Uh, is is yeah. there is there maybe a a story that that stands out to you of somebody that's responded about the book that that just really encouraged you and, and you just saw saw God really work in someone's life based on them reading your book, which is called Unscripted, uh, encourage people to check that out as well. There have been so many times, Bryce, that people have come up to me out of the blue just to tell me that they've read it or that it was gifted to them or that somebody bought it for their dad who was just beginning cancer treatments or something like that. And, and that's been the most powerful part about it. And, and really it goes back to the, to the reason that I wrote it in the first place. I, you know, it was just like, look, if this can speak to somebody on, on some kind of level, whether it's uh, battling cancer or adopting kids or dealing with special needs, children or the father son relationship, I said, that's, you know, that's the people we're trying to reach on some level and I've heard from people on all those levels. And, uh, and it's, it, it really is knee buckling for me every time it happens. Um, that, you know, I've had a, I had a, a son in an airport, uh, come up to me and say, Hey, my dad and I have not had a really good relationship for years, but, uh, my last birthday, he gave me that he gave me your book and it's kind of opened up doors between us. And I was like, man, I, I said, you couldn't say anything more powerful to me than that, man. Um, so that's, that's been very cool, man. It's, um, uh, it was, su- it was such a, um, such a wonderful project to undertake. And, and then to see that kind of reaction to it has been, has been really, has been really cool. So, um, that's awesome. I, you know, not to get specific, but that's, but it really, it has been, it's just been, you know, it used to be anytime I saw somebody in an airport, it was like, hey, where's Charles? Hey, where's Shaq? <laughs> or, hey, do you think the Warriors are going to win it again? And now it's it's amazing that for the number of people who have, who have um, you know, just come up to me and said, man, I loved your book. And it means the world. Ah, oh, I love it. That's awesome. Great to hear. The, the book is called Unscripted, The Unpredictable Moments That Make Life Extraordinary. He's Ernie Johnson. And, and Ernie, always love catching up with you i always tell people my favorite guest on the show is ernie johnson so it's great to to have you on uh, again and, and really appreciate all that you, you do for the kingdom and and to love people and, and just the example that you are on tv so so greatly appreciate all that you do bryce thank you so much for having me on it's always great talking to you and 
Hope you have an outstanding 2019, my brother. Awesome. You too. He's Ernie Johnson. Always love having him on the show. Coming up next, we'll do our segment, Unpack This, about Philip Rivers. This is Unpacking It. It's Unpacking It. I'm Bryce Johnson. Each week, we wrap up the show with a segment we call Unpack This, where I take a current sports story and relate it to the Bible and our own lives. So let's jump right in. With the Chargers and Patriots meeting in the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, we'll have the chance to watch two of the oldest and best quarterbacks in the league. We know how accomplished Tom Brady is with his five Super Bowl rings, and Chargers quarterback Phillip Rivers has had an impressive career as well. Rivers has more total yards than John Elway, more touchdowns than Joe Montana, and more Pro Bowls than Kurt Warner and Terry Bradshaw combined. Although he's thrown a ton of touchdowns and puts up huge passing numbers every year, the one thing missing from Phillip Rivers' resume is a Super Bowl win. He's been impressive during the regular season, but he's yet to fill the void of winning the big game. Now, in his 15th season and a 5-5 five and five playoff record, he's running out of time to satisfy his desire for a ring. In our own lives... Many of us have felt or are feeling right now that something is missing. We sense there is a void that needs to be filled. The truth is, only Jesus can satisfy the deepest longings of our soul. We can have great regular season numbers such as money, power, acclaim, and even the American dream, but none of those things replace what's missing. The psalmist cries out, Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. Philip Rivers may or may not be able to attain what's missing on his football resume. But the good news is God fills the void missing in all of us. When we seek him, we will find him. The Bible says, For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. So I hope you're willing to unpack that. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I hope you'll stay connected with us on social media and on unpackingit.com. If you have any thoughts about today's show, you can email me, Bryce at unpackingit.com. Until next time, I'm Bryce Johnson, and I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sins. He was resurrected and through faith, I have been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a wonderful week. This has been Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson on Sports Byline USA and Sirius XM Channel 211.